Chapter 11 of Aids to Forensic Medicine and Toxicology. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonja. Aids to Forensic Medicine and Toxicology by W. G. Acheson Robertson. Chapter 11. 6. Duty of practitioner in supposed case of poisoning. If called to a case supposed or suspected to be one of poisoning, the medical man has two duties to perform to save the patient's life, and to place himself in a position to give evidence if called on to do so. If life is extinct, his duty is a simple one. He should make inquiries as to symptoms and time at which food or medicine was last taken. He should take possession of any food, medicine, vomited matter, urine or feces in the room, and should seal them up in clean vessels for examination. He should notice the position and temperature of the body, the condition of rigor mortis, marks of violence, appearance of lips and mouth. He should not make a post-mortem examination without an order in writing from the coroner. In making a post-mortem examination, the alimentary canal should be removed and preserved for further investigation. A double ligature should be passed round the esophagus and also round the duodenum a few inches below the pylorus. The gut and the gullet being cut across between these ligatures, the stomach may be removed entire without spilling its contents. The intestines may be removed in a similar way, and the whole or a portion of the liver should be preserved. These should all be put in separate jars without any preservative fluid, tied up, sealed, labelled and initialed. All observations should be at once committed to writing, or they will not be admitted by the court for the purpose of refreshing the memory whilst giving evidence. If the medical practitioner is in doubt on any point, he should obtain technical assistance from someone who has paid attention to the subject. In a case of attempted suicide by poisoning, is it the duty of the doctor to inform the police? He would be unwise to do so. He had much better stick to his own business and not act as an amateur detective. 7. Treatment of Poisoning The modes of treatment may be ranged under three heads. 1. To eliminate the poison. 2. To antagonize its action. 3. To avert the tendency to death. First, the first indication is met by the administration of emetics to produce vomiting or by the application of the stomach tube. The best emetic is that which is at hand. If there is a choice, give apomorphine hypodermically. The dose for an adult is 10 minims. It may be given in the form of the injection of the pharmacopoeia, or preferably as a tablet dissolved in water. Apomorphine is not allied in physiological action to morphine and may be given in cases of narcotic poisoning. Sulfate of zinc, salt and water, ipecacuana and mustard are all useful as emetics. Tickling the fossas with a feather may excite vomiting. In using the elastic stomach tube, some fluid should be introduced into the stomach before attempting to empty it, or a portion of the mucous membrane may be sucked into the aperture. The tube should be examined to see that it is not broken or cracked, as accidents have happened from neglecting this precaution. The bowels and kidneys must also be stimulated to activity, to help in the elimination of the poison. Second, 
The second indication is met by the administration of the appropriate antidote. Antidotes are usually given hypodermically, or if by mouth, in the form of tablets. In the absence of a hypodermic syringe, the remedy may be given by the rectum. In the selection of the appropriate antidote, a knowledge of pharmacology is required, especially of the physiological antagonism of drugs. Antidotes may act 1. Chemically, by forming harmless compounds, as lime and oxalic acid poisoning. 2. Physiologically, the drug which is administered neutralizing more or less completely the poison which has been absorbed. 3. Physically, as charcoal. Every doctor should provide himself with an antidote case. The various antidotes will be mentioned under their respective poisons. Third, To avoid the tendency to death, we must endeavor to palliate the symptoms and neutralize the effects of the poison. Pain must be relieved by the use of morphine. Inflamed mucous membranes soothed by such demarcants as oils, milk, starch. Stimulants to overcome collapse saline infusions and shock, etc. In the case of narcotics and depressing agents, stimulants, electricity and cold effusions may be found useful. We should endeavor to promote the elimination of the poison from the body by stimulating the secretions. 8. Detection of poisons. Notice the smell, color and general appearance of the matter submitted for examination. The odor may show the presence of prussic acid, alcohol, opium or phosphorus. The color may indicate salts of copper, cantharides, etc. Seeds of plants may be found. This examination having been made, the contents of the alimentary canal and any other substances to be examined must be submitted to chemical processes. Simple filtration will sometimes suffice to separate the required substance. In other cases, dialysis will be necessary, in order that crystalloid substances may be separated from colloid bodies. In the case of volatile substances, distillation will be required. The poisons thus sought for are alcohol, phosphorus, iodine, chloral, ether, hydrocyanic acid, carbolic acid, nitrobenzyl, chloroform and aniline. The organic matters are placed in a flask, diluted with distilled water if necessary, and acidulated with tartaric acid. The flask is heated in a water bath, and the vapor is condensed by a Liebig's condenser. In the case of phosphorus, the condenser should be of glass, and the process of distillation conducted in the dark, so that the luminosity of the phosphorus may be noted. For the separation of an alkaloid, the following is the process of Stas Otto. This process is based upon the principle that the salts of the alkaloids are soluble in alcohol and water, and insoluble in ether. The pure alkaloids, with the exception of morphine in its crystalline form, are soluble in ether. Make a solution of the contents of the stomach or solid organs, minced very fine by digesting them with acidulated alcohol or water, and filtering. The filtrate is shaken with ether to remove fat, etc., the ether separated, the watery solution neutralized with soda, and then shaken with ether, which removes the alkaloid in a more or less impure condition. The knowledge of these facts will help to explain the following details, which may be modified to suit individual cases. 1. Treat the organic matter, after distillation for the volatile substances just mentioned, 
with twice its weight of absolute alcohol, free from fusel oil, to which from ten to thirty grains of tartaric or oxalic acid have been added, and subject to a gentle heat. 2. Cool the mixture and filter. Wash the residue with strong alcohol and mix the filtrates. The residue may be set aside for the detection of the metallic poisons if suspected. Expel the alcohol by careful evaporation. On the evaporation of the alcohol, the resinous and fatty matter separate. Filter through a filter moistened with water. Evaporate the filtrate to a syrup and extract with successive portions of absolute alcohol. Filter through a filter moistened with alcohol. Evaporate filtrate to dryness and dissolve residue in water, the solution being made distinctly acid. Now shake watery solution with ether. 3. Ether from the acid solution dissolves out colchicin, digitalin, cantharidin, and priquotoxin, and traces of varitrine and atropine. Separate the ethereal solution and evaporate. Hot water will now dissolve out picrotoxin, colchicin, and digitalin, but not cantharidin. 4. The remaining acid watery liquid, holding the other alkaloids in solution or suspension, is made strongly alkaline with soda, mixed with four or five times its bulk of ether, chloroform, or benzoyl, briskly shaken and left to rest. The ether floats on the surface, holding the alkaloids, except morphine, in solution. 5. A part of this ethereal solution is poured into a watch glass and allowed to evaporate. If the alkaloid is volatile, oily streaks appear on the glass. If not volatile, crystalline traces will be visible. If a volatile alkaloid, add a few pieces of calcium chloride to ethereal solution to absorb the water. Draw off the ethereal solution with a pipette, allow it to evaporate and test the residue for the alkaloids, conine and nicotine. If a fixed alkaloid, treat the acid solution with soda or potash and ether. Evaporate ethereal solution after separation, when the solid alkaloid will be left in an impure state. To purify it, add a small quantity of dilute sulfuric acid, and, after evaporating to three-quarters of its bulk, add a saturated solution of carbonate of potash or soda. Absolute alcohol will then dissolve out the alkaloid, and leave it on evaporation in a crystalline form. General reactions for alkaloids 1. Wagner's reagent, iodine, dissolved in a solution of potassium iodide, yields a reddish-brown precipitate. 2. Meyer's reagent, potassium mercuric iodide, gives a yellowish-white precipitate. 3. Phosphorum molybdic acid gives a yellow precipitate. 4. Platinic chloride, a brown precipitate. 5 tannic acid, etc. In order to isolate an inorganic substance from organic matter, Fresenius method is adopted. Boil the finely divided substance with about one-eighth its bulk of pure hydrochloric acid. Add from time to time potassium chloride until the solids are reduced to a straw-yellow fluid. Treat this with excess of bisulfate of sodium, then saturate with sulfuretted hydrogen until metals are thrown down as sulfides. These may be collected and tested. From the acid solution, hydrogen sulfide precipitates copper, lead, and mercury, dark, arsenic, antimony, and tin, yellowish. 
If no precipitate, add ammonia and ammonium sulphide. Iron, black. Zinc, white. Chromium, green. Manganese, pink. The residue of the material after digestion with hydrochloric acid and potassium chloride may have to be examined for silver, lead and barium. For the detection of minute quantities, the microscope must be used, and Gies and Halvik's method of sublimation will be found advantageous. Crystalline poisons may be recognized by their characteristic forms. End of chapter 11